The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. We're going to have fun today. John Hood, State Representative John Hood, is with us this morning. Former WGNS broadcaster and forever broadcaster at heart. (laughs) Good morning, Bart. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Happy 75th anniversary. Oh, well, it's great to be here. (laughs) 75 years. That's that's a long time. Uh, Do you remember the night when WGNS came on the air? Yes and no. I I do and I don't remember it. Uh, I couldn't tell you any more about it than that. Okay. I had heard, and I, I have read accounts of it, uh, they wanted to ring in the new year, which would have been 1947. Right. So they came on the air, obviously, before mm-hmm. the new year. Uh, they came on the air, I think, about 10 o'clock or so. And did the, uh, the networks back then did a, 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 you know, ringing in the new year, starting in the East Coast and then moving oh, yeah. across uh, right. with the big bands from the big hotels. And so they uh, were doing that. I don't know what network they were affiliated with. There I were know they were at one time with Mutual Broadcasting System. Whether they were in the very beginning or not, I'm not sure. Now, in the very beginning, do you remember where the studio was? Because it was not in the Elrod French shop. I'm not sure that I do, Bart. Was it at the transmitter? It was at the, there was a two-story building. Right. I, I never had seen that. But there was a building down there. Uh, with offices and studio, the whole bit. Uh, that was the first station, first location. Right, right off of South Church Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll, right there where the, you'll see the tower. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and that building burned in the 70s. So I, I guess it was just used for storage prior to that. I presume, yeah. So it, it had been there. And of course, at that time, that's where the transmitter was located. Yeah, and still beginning. is. Uh, I guess still is. Yeah, still there. Uh, so... Uh, the good location for a transmitter, right, right in the heart of town and near water. Right. So uh, makes it makes it go better. And right there at the tower. Yeah. When when were you first with WGNS? When did the radio bug bite John Hood? <laughs> well, I, I started in 1948. At that time, Central High School had a program called Diversified Occupations. What you did, you, you went to school in the morning left school at noon and went to your job, wherever it was. And that's when I started out. Mr. Ira Daniel, who was later superintendent of schools, was the, uh, the teacher that was in charge of that program. So that's where I started out in 1948 with WGNS in the Elrod building. Okay, so you were in the mezzanine there at the Elrod building. That was pretty much state-of-the-art. Uh, it was a phenomenal studio. Well, I don't call it mezzanine. I call it the second floor. Second, okay. Because it was literally a second floor. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I had wanted to see that station, and when we were up here as a student uh, at MTSU, we went up to see it, but it was long since gone. The station was where it is now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, but there were still... The glass windows. I mean, you could tell that there had been a radio station there. Oh, it was a big layout. Uh, two big studios, control room in the middle, offices along the side. Yes. 
So that was, uh, and that was Murfreesboro's first radio station. That's right. Cecil Elrod uh, owned and operated the station. What are some of your earlier memories of the station? What are some of the things that really uh, you can look back on and say, I'm glad I was a part of that? Well, I can remember we used to do a spelling bee for the Rutherford County Schools. Miss Sue McKee was a supervising teacher, and she would get students together, I think, once a month. We'd bring them to the studio, and I would give out the, the words to them, and then we would, we would select a winner. That was one of the early programs that we did. And so in those days, uh, that was a, a big deal, listening to kids spell and uh, having some of them on. You did, actually did it on the radio. Oh, yes, we did it live in the studio. Okay. Uh, how many kids would come up here? Bart, I don't remember. Well, we'd have eight or ten, something like that, at a time, each representing a particular school in the county school system. Now, if we go back a few years to the late 40s, there was uh, one particular thing that was always interesting, uh, and, and that was uh, a lot of people don't realize we had a major air base. From Stewart Air Force Base, Tennessee, the Liberty Broadcasting System presents the music of young America's favorite, Johnny Long and his orchestra. Oh boy, uh, that was really neat. That was, fun <laughs> that was you. Oh, it was. <laughs> that had to be, I mean, you were going all over the Seward Air nation. Base had a guy by the name of Frank Zerby, mm-hmm. who was director of public relations, public information, what it was called in those days. And he had worked for one of the big uh, music promotion companies in the country and had a lot of contacts in the music business. So what he would do, he would find a, 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 an orchestra like Johnny Long. Maybe they were in Chicago tonight and needed to be in New Orleans on the next the next night mm-hmm. well night after next and what he would do he would contract or agree to fly them from chicago if they would come to seward air base do a band do a dance and then he'd take them on to new orleans where where he was going so he got a lot of name bands playing at seward air base and we broadcast them on the liberty broadcasting system now you were here when we did live broadcast of special events. Seems like there were more special events back then. Uh, McCarthy came to town. Uh, that was a big event. Absolutely. And and you were there for that special day. Yeah, we had five pickups for General MacArthur when he came. Uh, they flew into Seward Air Base. His wife, Jean Marie Faircloth, was from Murfreesboro, so he came back to her hometown after he had been removed from office by President Truman. They flew into Seward Air Base, and then we had a big deal out on the uh, the uh, Harsh Jones Field, football field at MTSU. They had a luncheon at Stones River Country Club, and then back to Seward and back to New York, where they were living at the time. Now, General MacArthur was was well known. Uh, had they'd even considered him running for political offices? I'm uh, sure some, they did. Something didn't 
go right. I guess it was with Eisenhower and him. And he made his final uh, speech. And I remember, and I don't know that people would do this nowadays, mm-hmm. they recorded that speech and people bought it. Uh, my parents <laughs> bought a copy oh, of no it. Now, I remember hearing it. Yeah. Old soldiers never, never die. die. They just fade away. Yeah. Uh, and that was, he was famous. Oh, absolutely. Very famous. So what happened on that day that he came back to his wife's hometown? Well, I remember coming up uh, uh, West Main, not West Main Street, but College Street, coming around the square. There were a lot of people uh, gathered around the public square, and they went down East Main to the James K. Polk Hotel, which is where uh, SunTrust Bank is now, uh, an old building there. And they stopped there to freshen up. And then they came back out and got in their car. Mr. Roy Byrne, B-Y-R-E-N, Byrne Motor Company, Cadillac Buick dealer, had borrowed a Rolls Royce from a friend in Columbia. And that's what they were picked up in and and driven in in the Rolls Royce. When they came out of the James K. Polk Hotel, the Rolls Royce wouldn't start. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to get a group of people to push them off to get the star, <laughs> the car going once again. Did it finally get started? It did finally get started. <clears throat> Dr. Homer Pittard was the principal of Central High School, and they had thought that the MacArthur's son, Arthur, might come back to his mother's hometown and go to high school. So I remember they had a big sign up on top of Central High School, which is where Central Middle School is now, Central uh, High School, uh, and it said, Hi, Arthur. So they thought that way he'd get that as attention. He would want to come back to his mother's hometown. Well, when they pushed that car off in front of the James K. Polk Hotel, they said it was going so fast that they did well to even see Central High School, <laughs> never mind the sign. <laughs> so they came on down East Main, Tennessee Boulevard, into the campus, and on Horace Jones Field for the program. Mr. Jennings Jones was mayor at the town at the time, and he presided the program. We did a program later, I forgot how many years later, with him on WGNS to talk about MacArthur Day. And it was fun to have Mr. Jones and talk about the events of the day. So that's where it all happened on Horace Jones Field. Now, Jennings Jones was a a, a real community-involved person. I understand he was also a pilot and flew over Murfreesboro and envisioned a need for roads. He was coming down... Uh, let's see, was it over farmland where Memorial is now Right. And, and saw a need for creating that road? We didn't have it back then. Right. He, he, he did a lot in developing the community, but, but particularly in developing roads that we needed. And didn't he have some other, uh, you know, really deep insight into some other additions that we now enjoy in the community? I think you're right, Bart. I'm not sure exactly which ones we're talking about, but I think you're correct. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. They say two heads are better than one, so (laughs) let's get three or four in here. If you have some memories uh, that you'd like to share of early Murfreesboro, give us a call. I've gotten some population statistics together, and I think people don't realize how different Murfreesboro has been, especially when you look at uh, how different Smyrna and Laverne are. Let's go back to 1940. In Murfreesboro, if you were here in 1940, 
uh, which would have been about the same when the station came on the air in 47, Mm -hmm. there were 9,495 people. 9,000. Not even 9,500. Yeah, I remembered 7,000 some odd, but 9,000 probably is more correct. Yeah. Uh, And then, uh, let's see, nowadays it's 157,816. That's Murfreesboro alone. Now, if we went to Smyrna in 1940 uh, for Smyrna, John, what do you think the population was in Smyrna? Less than 1,000 probably. It was 500. I I really had a hard time envisioning that. Uh, And for Laverne, what was it in 1940, do you think? Less than that. I don't want to. 200. So now if you compare that... Laverne, instead of 200, is 35,742, and now Laverne is 53,262. Those two cities are touching each other, basically. So that's about 90,000 people uh, together. In those two. In those two towns. So... uh, uh, that's it's just amazing. It is how how quickly the things grow. What do you think now? You you also were a state representative for this area for many years. What has created all of of this growth? Do you think? Well, I think our leaders were open to uh, recruit industry and business into the community, which brought more and more people. And they also were forward thinking and in, in developing since that time the road system the school system, the hospital system, and we, we just became a community that was attractive to so many people around the country that brought them here and caused us to grow. And during your term in office, John, I remember one big thing was the redoing of the bridge over in Las Casas. Mm-hmm. And, and that, was a, that was a milestone. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. Tell us about well, it was, that. Well, it had been a well a two-lane road, of course, <clears throat> onto a two-lane bridge. In fact, you almost wanted to sort of inhale a little bit as you <laughs> went onto the bridge. If you met somebody, you did, you were afraid you might hit them. I don't know if there were many that, that many accidents there. But the bridge needed to be widened and improved and developed. And that was one of the things we did was the Las Casas Bridge and also the Walter Hill Bridge, which is a, which is a, a similar situation. And you did a broadcast. I remember on the Las Casas Bridge, you were live on the radio uh, from that site. Well, we dedicated it to Larry Stewart, who had been the principal at Las Casas High School for so many years and had quite a dedication ceremony. And Larry was on the radio yesterday. Oh, was he sure enough? Yeah, he's on pretty regularly on the Truman <laughs> Show. Uh, it was good hearing him. Uh, we needed, uh, you know, I should have asked about. We should have passed the note on to Truman to, to ask about the uh, Las Casas Bridge. I had a, a press conference <clears throat> at the Las Casas Bridge. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, uh, Andy Womack was state senator at the time when I was a uh, direct representative in the House. And because of his mother's illness, Andy decided not to run again for re-election and give up the seat. Several people, particularly in Nashville and otherwise, encouraged me to run for the Senate seat. So I was planning on doing that. And I had a press conference planned for the Las Casas Bridge on that morning to make, make my announcement. About 4.30 in the morning, something told me this is not what you should do. I don't know. I woke up, had that thought, don't do this. So what I did, I called the lady who was handling my 
publicity and everything and told her I decided not to do it. So we decided to go ahead and have the press conference at the Las Casas Bridge. Just make the announcement that was continuing, hoping to continue to serve in the House and not the Senate. And when was was that? Was that in relation to the time of opening the bridge? How was it in the same year? Or I don't remember exactly what years that they both happened in. Yeah. How well did you know Cecil Elrod? Oh, I knew him very well. I worked for him for what uh, six years here at WGNS because his father had Cecil Elrod's front shop, and that's the reason that WGNS was located on the second floor above the French shop. So Cecil was quite an interesting fellow. In World War II, he had worked in Armed Forces Radio in some way or another, I believe in South America. So he got the bug, the radio bug, if you will, and he wanted, when he came home from the service, to have his own radio section. So he talked to his father, Cecil Elrod Sr., into helping him put it together and put it on the air. So he applied and the Federal Communications Commission approved it and he started WGNS. And they really uh, went all out to make it the best that they could. I think they brought in engineers from WSM uh, trying to get the tower to be as good as it could be. And he went to Washington with the Capitol Radio Institute, which is a school for broadcasters at that time, hired several people to come down and work, one of whom was Ray Duffy who became the sports announcer and quite a quite a, a uh, significant person in our community in regard to sports and athletics and so many other things. Yeah, he was the first director of Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation. Uh, that's right. Uh, back when there were two employees. Yeah. <laughs> him and uh, Hollis Harris. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you remember Hollis? I don't know. I'm not sure. Hollis is the one that did movies under the stars. Oh, oh, Hollis. Oh, yes, I do. I do remember Hollis Harris. Okay. Now, I was uh, listening to Brian Barrett this morning, and he mentioned something that I did not recall. He said a lot of people think of Ray Duffy as being the first sportscaster on WGNS. But he said Buck Byram. I'm going to say it may have been Buck Byram. Howard Byram was the, I guess, the station manager at the time, and he did a little bit of everything. Buck later left here, went to Humboldt, and put on the air WIRJ and stayed there the rest of his life, I believe. And But he got his start oh, here in Murfreesboro. WGNS. Uh-huh. A lot of people got their starts here. Yeah. Uh, Bill Barry. You know Bill. Remember oh, very Bill? well. Uh, he got his start here, gave me my first job. Yes. Uh, there were so many. John Young was here. John yeah, Young I, I didn't was, ever know John Young, but he does a lot of your promos still, yeah, doesn't he? John still does yeah. that. Uh, so many other uh, people uh, who were uh, just uh, really names that everybody remembers so well. One of those names uh, is remembered, strangely enough, for a commercial that they did. I was surprised at that. Boots, boots, boots. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Hub Store on the west side of the square has boots for everyone. Boots, boots, boots. For the men, the Hub Store has four buckle boots, five buckle boots, zipper boots, and knee boots. Boots, boots, boots. For the ladies, the Hub has reindeer, slip-on rubber boots, and fur-lined waterproof boots. Boots, boots, boots. For the children, the Hub has slip-on rubber boots, four buckle boots, and zipper boots. Boots, boots, boots. That's the Hub Store, where you can get boots, boots, boots for the entire family. 
Yeah, it's amazing. That was Jerry Brown, Pee Wee Brown. And so uh, what that commercial, people just remember it over and over and over. Saul Arbig was a Jewish gentleman, very fine person, great member of the community, and he liked to promote the Hub Store. In fact, he used to do a lot of the radio spots, commercials, and we would do it with him, like allegedly fitting a boot onto somebody and saying boots, 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 boots. So this was all through their commercials? Oh, yeah. Boots, boots, boots. Yeah. And there was, if I remember, this seems like in the upper window of the Hub Store, at night there was a mannequin. And there was always a tale about that's that's a person watching out over the square. <laughs> and if you do anything wrong, he tells the police about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? I never that? heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, and, you know, kids believe that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's pause for just a moment. We will be right back. We're looking at WGNS 75th anniversary, and that's what happens on New Year's Day. Your good neighbor station turns 75. John Hood, who was here in those early days, is with us this morning. We're reminiscing about early Murfreesboro. Stay with us. The GNS and our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. Schedule online anytime. Getting an appointment with Ascension Care Teams at St. Thomas just got easier with online scheduling. Now you don't have to break away from your day to book the care you need when and where you need it. No matter where you are or what you're up to, whether you're a new patient or if you've been here before, just pick the appointment that works for you. Schedule online anytime at GetSTHealthCare.com. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We have an excellent sound room with good acoustics. If you want to try out any guitar in the store, if you've got a perfect place to listen to it, compare them side by side, see how the neck feels to your hand, which is important to a guitar player. We have keyboards to play, a room in the back for drums to give a run through with cymbals, snares, whole sets. Come in Music World and Drummer's Den and try out before you buy it. Music World and Drummer's Den. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military. I was on a guided missile frigate. Here is today's Salute to Veterans. 
months. I was in combat close to 18 months. Got out on early release in 73 when the ceasefire occurred. The so-called end of the uh, hostilities it never really did until 75, but for us it did and I was early out because of my combat service. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. What was the atmosphere like when you did come home in the 70s? It was, it was really poor. Couldn't come home in my uniform, let's put it that way. I had to come home in civilian clothes because of the flights and because of the airports and the kind of reception that I could possibly get. You hear a lot of negative things about uh, when the Marines came back, and it's all true. In the latter part of the war, they didn't want us to have eggs thrown at us or uh, slurs or things of that sort, so I had to come home in civilian clothes. I didn't admit that I was a Vietnam veteran at all until in the 1980s. I couldn't get my old job back because I served in Vietnam. And so from that point until the 1980s, I never admitted I was a veteran at all. It would have been a negative, not a positive. You know, you don't hate the warrior, you hate the war. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local, you want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett, it's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. We're reminiscing today. John Hood is with us as WGNS prepares to celebrate 75 years. Wow, that, that's uh, that's a long time, John. That is a lifetime, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Bart, at that time, Rutherford County was a very strong dairying uh, county. With dairying, we had, uh, well, I think we had 150 dairy farms at, back, at that time. In fact, we used to have a June's Dairy Month observation and have a June Dairy Princess. So it was it was thought at that time that the call letters at the station could be or should be WCOW. Daring center of the world. Uh, thank goodness they <laughs> they decided differently and came up with the WGNS uh, call letters and your good neighbor station. Wasn't there uh, a, a bull or something involved uh, with with getting a bull to Cuba? Uh, do, do you remember that story? Uh, that was something that I had. Uh, it sounds like something Cecil Elrod had worked up. But I don't recall it. And and maybe the bull died en route? I'm, I'm not sure. That I have is, a vague recollection. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. So. Uh, I, and I don't remember enough about it to, to yeah. share that. Maybe somebody listening remembers something about that. 615-893-1450. The name Glenn Snotty. Murfreesboro man. Uh, tell us a little about when, Glenn. When WGNS went on the air... You had to have a first-class engineer on duty, in person, at the transmitter as long as you were on the air. And WGNS and Cecil hired three real fine professional engineers, one of whom was Glenn Snotty, who later went on to Nashville was at WSM as an engineer and had a recording studio and, and, and uh, did a real big job in radio in Nashville. He was a brother to Charles Snotty, who for many years was a state farm agent here and they both have passed on. But they were two very important parts of the community. Oh, Frank, Frank Thompson was another engineer along with Glenn Snotty. I don't remember the name of the third one at the time, but they were full-time engineers on duty at the transmitter when the session was on the air. 
Now, when Glenn retired from Woodland Studios, which was his studio, right, his studio. in Nashville, he came by the station, and uh, we had him on the air. I think it was back when we had our 50th Probably, anniversary, yeah, uh-huh. and he shared some memories. And we had worked with Glenn uh, for several years. Uh, I was with an ad agency in Nashville, and a lot of the mm-hmm. jingles for commercials were recorded at Woodland Studio. Okay. So, and, but he had just hit after hit. Uh, that came through that studio. Very successful studio, yes. Yeah, very definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as we mentioned, a lot of people who were with WGNS in those early years uh, went on to be very successful in their you know, rights uh, all over the United States. Mm-hmm. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. And as you are looking at some of those uh, early days of radio, uh, the soda shops on the square were popular places. I guess it was the, the teenage hangouts uh, where, where people would go after school and, and everybody just remembers the soda shops. Okay. What are some of the ones that uh, you recall and did we ever do any? I'm sure we broadcast from them. Probably we did. I don't have any recollection there, but, but no, no doubt we did, yeah. And let's go back to 1949. There was something interesting on that one. Yes, it's time to refresh at McCord and Harris Soda Fountain. Meet your friends and wet your whistle at McCord and Harris Soda Fountain. Refreshments and pleasant surroundings, McCord and Harris on the square in Murfreesboro. WGNS, your good neighbor station, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That one goes back. We had drugstores all the way around the square at that time. McCord and Harris was on the north side of the square. We had... had, uh, Stickney and Griffiths Drugstore, Harrison's Pharmacy, and uh, Carr and Martin, K-E-R-R, Carr and Martin Drugstore, all on the square at that time. Of course, all of our retail at that time was on the public square in downtown Murfreesboro. Now, back then, uh, we did a lot with the Liberty Broadcasting Network, uh, Gordon McClendon. Gordon McClendon, right. Tell us some of your memories about that one. Well, he started out uh, doing baseball out of Texas, as I recall and became well-known for baseball broadcasts around the country. But as a result of that, he decided to get into a full-time network and not just a sports network and develop the Liberty Broadcasting System. The, the recording you played earlier of the Johnny Long Orchestra at uh, Seward Air Base was carried on the Liberty Broadcasting System. And they wanted to do all, all kinds of live national events like that. So we had the privilege of doing two or three different dances at the Seward Air Base. WGNS, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Correct time now is 10 o'clock, and time for the news. From the Liberty Newsroom. First, here are the headlines. The UN High Command has placed the blame for the Korean truth stalemate directly. Wow, that one really goes back. It does, it really does. So uh, they branched into news. Uh, They were a full-service network. They were trying to be a full-service network, right. Didn't last too many years, but but, it made an impact at the time anyway. Back then, uh, well, not in the 40s, but on into the 60s and 70s, Mm -hmm. Wolfman Jack became an iconic uh, person that... I guess from his days uh, in in the movies and also from that 500,000-watt station just off the border in Mexico. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And he was on this station. 
For complete weather information and late scores, contact the Murfreesboro News number 893-NEWS, a service of the Citizen Central Bank. She was only 16. Only 16. <laughs> so Wolfman Jack was here too, so... Uh, citizen, senior citizen of the Citizen Bank. Uh, citizen Central Bank. Central right. Bank, yeah. Don Mosa headed that. Uh, and that was where the uh, the city's uh, uh, housing development center is now? Is that what, where the co-op used to be? Or there, was, there used to be a grocery store there, wasn't there? Yeah, along on, on, on Maple Street, as I recall, right off the square, yeah. And was that where the bees had a nest and you could look at it in the front lobby? Do you remember that? Part I don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I, I remember the strange things. Yes. <laughs> One of the things I do remember, back in those days, when you did a remote broadcast, you had to order a telephone line to broad, broadcast it and order that through Bell Telephone, South Central Bell it was at that time. But during World War II, we had maneuvers here getting ready for the attack on Europe. And, of course, they had strung telephone lines all over the community to, for their communications. So Cecil was able to go and find a lot of that telephone line and be able to uh, acquire it, if you will. And lots of times around the square, with short distances, we would set up our own line with having to, without having to order it from the uh, telephone company. As a matter of fact, uh, a good friend of mine was Hall Irby, who lived on uh, Church Street, as I did, and he and I acquired a lot of that telephone line, and we strung our own telephone line between our homes so we could talk back and forth to each other on oh, telephone yeah. using the same lines. <laughs> we talked about John Young a little bit ago. Uh, John has some early memories of news and WGNS, and, and he got his first job here at the Good Neighbor Station. Okay. Let's see, uh, let's see what happened Any time to save is Southern Furniture Company, 309 West Main Street. The News Authority, WGNS, Murfreesboro. As jury selection nears completion at the Hearst trial, defense attorneys report they have won court permission to have Patty's head x-rayed. Wow. <laughs> Those were some strange news stories back then. Since very sensational oh, yeah. back then. <laughs> but uh, and you were mentioning when uh, McCarthy MacArthur came to town, uh, you had five different locations. Uh, what about the submarine? When when did that come to town? The Japanese submarine. I remembered being here, but Bart, I had no direct relationship to that, but it was on display on the north side of the public square, as I recall. Okay. Now, was that the one where they made so many sandwiches knowing that a huge crowd would come, or was that MacArthur? That was MacArthur Day. Okay. MacArthur Day. And nobody ate the sandwiches or right. had a lot we, left over? Well, we anticipated thousands and thousands of people to be here. We had a good turnout, for sure, but nothing like was anticipated, so we had a number of people that made up sandwiches to sell and everything, and it turned out they, there was nobody buying them. <laughs> so a lot so of many sandwiches of, Many of them went in, 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 in the water at, at Stones River. <laughs> now, we didn't have the new Nashville Highway or 4170. That's correct. Uh, he landed where? At Seward Air Base. We had the roadbed 
for what was called the new Nashville Highway. Okay, so as so. I recall, the, the uh, motorcade bringing MacArthur to Murfreesboro from Smyrna, MacArthur and, and Mrs. MacArthur, came up the roadbed of what was to be the new Nashville Highway so they could really speed up and get here in, in a short period of time. But uh, but that road, just the bed? Yeah, just the roadbed. When did that road open? Bart, I'd be at a loss to tell you the exact year, but it wasn't too long after that, that particular time. Okay. We mentioned the five locations. We had the pickup at Seward Air Base. Lewis Penuel was working for the station that time, and where the Haynes Hotel was at that time, we suspended him on a, a, a cable over the, 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 oh, the street. <laughs> so as the motorcade came under him, he could uh, report it. Then we had a pickup at uh, at uh, the public square, mm-hmm. and and then of course at MTSU with Horace Jones Field. Now, for people who are trying to figure out uh, where that hotel was, it was the corner of Maple and College. Is that right? Maple and uh, no East East Main and Spring. East Main and Spring. It's where okay. SunTrust Bank is located now. Okay, I, th- I thought you said another. I thought you, you mentioned the other hotel. Oh, the Haynes Hotel. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The Haynes Hotel was located at the corner of Maple and College, right? Okay. okay. Now, the James K. Polk Hotel. And that's where he stopped for where, lunch. where he stopped to freshen up. was on oh, East Main Street, East Main and Spring, So, which is where SunTrust Bank is now. Traveling from Seward Air Base in Smyrna to Murfreesboro, he had to stop and freshen up. <laughs> <laughs> Travel was a little slower back then. Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot different at that time, particularly, right? You didn't go to Nashville much back then, did you? I mean, that was a trip. It was quite a day, yeah, quite a trip to go to Nashville. We had the Greyhound bus line that ran from here to, to Nashville. That was a usual mode of transportation. It was located on Maple Street, right behind the Haynes Hotel, if you will. And then Murfreesboro Laundry was next, right there on Maple Street, across from Burn Motor Company. Now, I wish I had a sound of this, but a lot of people have said one of the things they remember was the, uh, the whistle that blew at the laundry, and I guess also Carnation. Well, Murfreesboro Laundry and Carnation Milk Plant had a whistle particularly Carnation Milk Plant, which is still located in Murfreesboro, but it would go off when uh, when the people reported to work. It would go off at 5 o'clock when they got off, and you could just set your watch by the by the, the whistle at, at uh, Carnation Milk Plant. Another thing we had at that time was a siren that went off in downtown Murfreesboro. Every day there was a fire. Because you could hear that all over what was in Murfreesboro, and you knew there was a fire somewhere in the city of Murfreesboro. Let's take a phone call. Good morning. You're on WGNS with John Hood. How are you? Hello. Hi. Uh, Mr. Hood, I'm Robert Godsey. I used to work at the Manor, Stones River Manor. Um, yeah, good morning. But I don't know if you remember me. Um, I, all, I heard that there was a German U-boat submarine that also came to Murfreesboro, so I'm wondering, was there two submarines? Because you mentioned a Japanese submarine. What about that? The German no, I'm not U-boat. sure about that. I, I remember, remember there was a submarine, but I, I was thinking it was the German submarine. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, okay. I just don't remember that at all. Oh, okay. All right. I just wondered. Hope all is well with you, Minister. It is. Thank you for, thank, your, thank you for thank calling. You for your service. Thank you for bringing that up. You have a great day. 615-893-1450 is our number. If you have a memory you want to share, 
Just give us a call. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your gift needs. We have great car art clothing and our muck boots, and we have any kind of gift you would need for Christmas. Always don't forget our gift department. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. Remember, you don't have to be a member to shop here. Come on by and say howdy to Tina Fox at the Co-op Farm and Home Center. It is your Christmas headquarters. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family owned and operated since 1989. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Join me, America's career coach Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. 29 hits to number one and counting them down. The hits from coast to coast. Shop the after inventory clearance sale at Wilma's and Memorial Village Shopping Center. Pants, jackets, sweaters, vests, skirts, shirts, and blouses. Save up to 75%. Regularly $12.99 to $28.99. Now $5.99 to $7.99. One table of sportswear values to $16. Now $5. One table of sweaters and knit tops. Regularly $18. Now $3. Shop and save during the after inventory clearance sale at Fashion Headquarters, Wilma's and Memorial Village Shopping Center. AT40 on WGNS will continue in just a moment with more of America's favorite music. Men, when did you last give that special girl a real nice gift on Valentine's? Or do you take her for granted? Express your love this Valentine, you'll be repaid tenfold. Bell Jewelers makes it so easy for you. Diamonds, rubies, sapphires, and emeralds fit for a queen. Only at Bell's, you'll find the affordables. Rich, new, exciting fashions and gems at prices you can easily afford. Make that special girl happy this Valentine. You'll be glad you did from your quality jewelers. Bell Jewelers, uptown. Boy, that was a golden memory. American Top 40, Casey Kasem. Uh, do you remember Wilma's in Memorial Village? Now, where was Memorial Village? Is that... Uh, it was on Memorial Boulevard. Well, I was yeah. on Memorial Boulevard. <laughs> uh, I don't remember uh, that shopping center. It was, a, it was a strip center, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Wilma's uh, was there. And, of course, we all know uh, Bell Jewelers. That, that's still... Still going strong. Good morning. You're on WGNS with John Hood. Good morning, Bart. Hey, good morning. I'm, I'm, this is like in the lost and found apartment. What is? My friend of mine had this gentleman that did a, a lawn, you know, yard mowing for mm-hmm. what it was. She was as got it set up to do a, some painting for her, and she went and bought the painting, got everything ready, and now she haven't heard from him. He drives a, a beautiful, brand-new red crook. He's a white. Now, is this having anything to do with uh, this broadcast? Sir? I, I'm trying to figure out where, where you're going with yeah. the story. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to announce it. If anybody knew anybody do painting, to drive a red crook, a young white guy, 
Now, he's a young, maybe mid-20s. Maybe they would know. He, he did yard work downhill on mm-hmm. Cornelius Drive. So we'll just sort of ask people to be watching for mm-hmm. that and uh, maybe help out uh, by, I guess, notify the police if I you guess, yeah. see that. Thank you for calling on uh, so a red truck there. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We have about uh, five minutes left in our broadcast this morning. John Hood is with us. We are reminiscing 75 years ago. Bart, you're still doing shop and swap, aren't you? Still doing swap and shop. That one goes back, I guess, almost to the beginning. From the very early days. I guess Jerry Brown did the... Was he the first one that did swap and shop? I'm not sure of that. But I remember Charles L. Briley, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, used to be the sponsor of Shop and Swap for many years. Are they still in business? No, they're long gone, I think. But they were right off the square. Oh, okay. Okay. It's amazing how many businesses are still functioning well True. after yeah. all of these years. Uh, we heard Bell Jewelers on the air just a moment ago, stronger than ever now. Many years on the north side of the square. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I remember Blake Tidwell used to say, a coat of paint will give you an all-new look and uh, create a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. He always had some great ideas. Thought a lot of Blake and was sorry we just lost him very recently. Yeah. Very definitely. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. You're on WGNS with John Hood. Good morning, Bart. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Good morning. It's always an honor to listen to you, sir. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Bart, about the Swap and Shop song. Okay. Uh, uh, Charlie Pitts. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a little bit about maybe when that started. Charlie, Charlie that. started that... Uh, I think it was 84, 85, 86, somewhere in that time frame. And I did not realize how that song had caught on. I went on a church uh, retreat with our church, and uh, we were gone for a week or so. And the kids on that retreat who were elementary and high school age, they could sing that song from the beginning to the end and didn't miss a thing. Wonderful. Wow. Wow. Just goes to show you a jingle works. Right. <laughs> Charlie, it works how are you? Bart, what did the song was used previous to that? I don't think there was a song previous to That was an inspiration of Charlie Pitts, and those were uh, actual people selling things. We had calls for similar things to that on the air. Oh, yeah, I know. I've heard them through the years. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bart. Thanks, and you have a great day. And you, sir. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We have a listener here who sent in a text uh, remembering a, an old rooming house uh, back before they called them bed and breakfast. Maybe <laughs> they weren't that. Uh, but they said people used to go there and eat dinner uh, family style, and they recall it being over sort of near where the uh, judicial building is now. Do you on remember? North Maple Street, right. Okay, uh-huh, so yeah. you remember that. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you, they were trying to reminisce about it. Well, it was just a good place to go, say, for Sunday lunch, but any time for, for a good meal where you sat down around the table with other people and, and they served it family style. Yeah. yeah. So back then when we went to restaurants, uh, there were not many chain restaurants. There were local family Usually local families having one, right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And Murfreesboro didn't start getting the change, I guess, until 90s, 
something like that. And Many years later, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden we <laughs> have plenty of them. Right. 615-893-1450. Uh, same phone number we have had. Uh, I guess we've used it in different ways. You didn't have to have as many numbers before it in earlier days. That's true, yeah. Do you remember when you used to call the station and you just dial 1450? I don't remember that without, without, without any prefix. Yeah, uh, somebody had said that they had remembered that, but I, I, I've always had the 893 right. with it. Uh, but Murfreesboro has changed a lot. Yeah, back at that time, you didn't have to dial the prefix. Mm -hmm. The area code, you just dialed it, the, the actual number. Right. And I remember you know, a call to Nashville for many years was a long-distance call. I remember so that. I <laughs> had, to, had to pay a, a toll to be able to call Nashville. We, I remember at, at, uh, at, uh, when I was working at Murfreesboro Bank and Trust Company later, we had a Nashville line that we used during the day, of course, for business. Then at night, you were able to call in and use that line if someone else wasn't on there to be able to call Nashville and didn't cost anything. Yeah, that was we had a Nashville line at the radio, the radio station, station too, back yeah. then too, because you needed to contact Nashville for different things. Well, John, this has been a fun day, I tell you. Uh, radio is is still pretty much the same, but uh, it's it's more fun than it used to be. Let's let's squeeze in one more thought here. You're on WGNS with John Hood. Hello there. Hi. Hi, give us a real quick thought. After you uh, alphabet at the end of a phone number. Uh -huh. I remember when I was a little girl, my number used to be 3333 Oh, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that. Party lines, we had a W and a J and an R. Like we had a 1398J at my home. There was a also a 1398R and a 1398W back in the early days. And what did you do with those numbers? I mean, when, yeah. when you dialed them, did you dial all those numbers? You didn't dial. No, okay. It wasn't That's dialed. Right. You, it was you, that before you, dial. You dialed. You just pick up. And the That's operator. Right. Was right. A, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That really goes back. Thank you so much. <laughs> John Hood with us this morning. John, thank you very much. Thanks, Bart. It's been a pleasure and a privilege.